Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Young Fly and Save experience. I'm excited to be hanging out with you today. As you can tell, it is a little different than normal, okay? A lot different than normal. Uh, I am here, and I wanted to take the time to really turn the music off for a minute and just have a really good, candid conversation with you. I wanted to be able to see your messages. I wanted to make sure that I could accommodate you properly because there's a lot going on in this world. And so essentially what I wanted to do today is to let you know how special you are to me. Do me a favor before we even get started, make sure that you start a watch party. Make sure that you share, 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 because today I just want to answer some questions. I can only imagine what life is like for you because I know it's been a very, very unique week for me. Um, of course, you know, there are a few announcements that I just have to make because that's just what we have to do. Of course, I want to show love to all of our partners right now. Um, we are very, very close to starting the building process on our studio. Thanks to our partners. All you got to do is log on to WillieMoreJuniorLive.com and become a partner. Uh, people are just coming together and giving a little bit towards a big vision. And I just thank God for you. So shout out to my partners. I cannot get to everybody today and say your name, but I do want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Harriet Brown and Augusta, what's going on? Alicia Jada something, right? Alicia Carr, what's happening? Tamika Ratliff, what's happening? Um, Nontre, what's up? What's up, bro? Just wanted to kind of shout everybody out. Um, today is unique, right? It's been a very, very unique week. And so I wanted to take the time and answer your questions. Um, you know, I'll be very, very honest with you. This week was a week where I literally had to sit my 17-year-old down and I had to sit my 11-year-old down and I literally had to talk to them about etiquette with police officers in the United States of America, right? Um, and I got choked up. I don't know if you had the opportunity to see it on Facebook or Instagram, but I simply information that my father had given me when I was young and I had this really cool car and he just said um you know they may think that you're doing something that you're not supposed to do but if you ever get pulled over by the police on the side of the road is not where you want to talk about it live to make it home and you send me and I'll make sure that I go take care of what I need to take care of and so today I just want to answer a few questions of course we're going to cover a few scriptures but I want to make sure that I'm able to accommodate you guys to be specific in the needs that you have for today I'll be honest with you guys um, I was a little pissed this week, um, but I was able to get over my emotions by unplugging. And later in this service, I want to make sure that I give you the opportunity to, to learn a little bit more about the importance of unplugging. And I'm going to show you an instance where Jesus literally got away just to pray, got away from some quiet, got into quiet, and he was able to continue to move. And so first and foremost, if you like, does anybody want to ask a question this week of course we've been following the character of jesus but i want to make sure that i accommodate you properly by answering the questions that you need okay so if you have any questions right now i'm here for you i want to make sure that i that i accommodate you properly so uh susan morones right uh i'm originally from st louis missouri and uh, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm live from Atlanta, Georgia right now. I want to say this. Thank you guys so much for supporting this ministry for over a decade. We've grown from 100,000 people to over 550,000 people on this page. We've grown from 79,000 people on Instagram to a quarter of a million plus people on um, on Instagram. So I appreciate you guys. Good evening from Indiana. What's going on? My son is six. Okay. We got to talk to our young boys about how to act when he's pulled over yes so parents that's the first thing i want to talk to you about parents um i know that many times we allow that smartphone that xbox and we let that ps4 raise our children um but tonight 
I want you to have a real good conversation with your children. And I don't want you to come in being a teacher, right? I don't want you to come in being that person that's just like, um, and this is what you're going to do. But I want to set up the scene on how I did it. I made sure that my boys watched what happened to George Floyd. And we had a moment of silence. And then I asked them, what do you think? What do you think? Because it's important that you get your teenager, your, your young person, you got to get them talking. And so my 11-year-old said, why? Like, why did that happen? My 17-year-old, I was like, how do you feel? He was like, I don't really feel anything but anger. And then I was able to kind of navigate the way they feel and build a new scenario around what they were going through. And so this is not a time for parents, you, to be quiet. And to my young flying savers who are watching today, I'll be honest with you, bro. Like, talk to your mother, talk to your father about some of the most uncomfortable things because I believe that she's now ready to accept what's going on in your world because she's getting a bird's eye view of what's going on. Um, and to my mothers and my fathers, I want you to lead with mercy and lead with grace. You are not your mama. Your mama might have been like, you don't do this and you don't do that. We understand that this generation is taking on more information in one year than people who were raised in the 1800s did in their entire life, right? So let me slow that down and break that down to you. Your child and you are consuming more information through smartphones, computers, more information than people who lived in the 1800s than they did in their whole life. You get that in one year. And so because it's information overload, it's important to understand that you're not dealing with a third grader who's the same third grader that you you were, right? These kids know a whole lot, so it's important that you have some real conversation with them. So that's the first thing I want you all to do tonight, to make a cognizant decision to say, you know what? I got to have some real talk with my child. I got to have some real talk with my kids because at the end of the day, you want them to not have to navigate through what's going on in this world. Like it's hard as hell for you to understand what's going on, right? Like you spend some quiet time and thought to yourself, wow, what's going on? You've been on Instagram thinking to yourself, is this really happening? So can you imagine for a 15 or 16 year old whose coronal cortex isn't totally developed, like how they're processing it? To be honest, they need some help, right? And so I want you to understand that success leaves clues. And I feel like as a man stepping in with my African-American boys and letting them know what was going on, I felt like I was able to help them navigate through it. And now I'm successful on how they're going to go in and be able to navigate with police officers and authority to make sure that they understand that there is a right to remain silent. Right. Like that's what the law says. They have the right to remain silent. So I'm going to make sure that they understand that silence is king, especially when you're on the side of the road. This is not the time to go back and forth with a police officer. You come get me and I'll make sure that I take care of it. All right. So make sure that you talk to your kids. Any questions, Kansas? Did I get any questions? Indeed. Indeed. Love your approach to talking to children. Indeed. Indeed. Make sure that you talk to your child. Um, any questions today? I just want to make sure that I'm ask, answering questions. When did you first give your life to Christ? I gave my life to Christ some 15 years ago after being a guy named Pretty Willie. And I went to a church service and got more than I bargained for. And I've been running ever since. All right. Um, I want to go to my notes a little bit and talk a little bit about change. Right. So last night was a unique night night in St. Louis, Missouri. We had some unique nights in Atlanta. And of course, across the country, there are a lot of peaceful protests. And then it's a lot of foolish stuff going on. I just want to tell you this early um, in this in this podcast, this video, Facebook or what have you, is that change has to take place gradually. Right. As fast as we want things to change, I want to be honest with you. Uh, fast change only hurts. It doesn't help. I do backwards. Um, fast change doesn't help. It actually hurts. 
right? Anything that changes too quickly can sometimes be devastating. If you think about people who literally were driving cars and they had a tragic accident that altered their life forever, even if you think of what we deem is good, every time I go to the gas station, somebody buying a scratch off or they pay, playing the lottery, but most people who win the lottery, they end up going broke again because change too quickly can become detrimental. I want you to understand in this nation right now, there are some systemic changes that have to take place, but it's going to take a 10 year span to do it, right? And so we have to keep our eye on the ball, continue to move towards the goals that we set, set up and just understand that that is going to take time, okay? Time is what is going to be needed. And so as I was watching my friends in Atlanta loot and, and, and kind of act a fool, you know, I was on the phone with some of the, you know, some of my friends who are in politics. It was really hard because at the end of the day, Atlanta is a place where if you are an African-American person, you're actually spoiled in comparison to the rest of the world. So if you feel it here, you're going to feel it worse in other places. So it's important that you understand that looting and acting a fool, that ain't really going to change nothing. You may be emotional, but I think there has to be some form of leadership to let you know how to filter your emotions the right way. And so, you know, I got to tackle my city, St. Louis and Ferguson last night. They actually went up to the police station, Gantis, and knocked the windows out. Like just throwing stuff and just knocking windows out. And, you know, I want to be very candid to my city because I know I got St. Louis's on in here. Um, the reason why people are reacting across the nation is because we set presidents, presidents on how to react when we acted the way we acted when Mike Brown was tragically killed. Right. And so people actually followed our blueprint. But now we're so far ahead of that. Like we now have black officers, the 63% black in Ferguson, people are doing what they're supposed to do. We finally got people of African-American descent literally in politics doing what they're supposed to do. And so we're far ahead of, of other cities who are going through what they're going through. So it's important to understand that if you're just going to be a leader, you got to be a leader. But last night I'm a little disappointed because you jumped on the bandwagon and instead of being the leader, because we had to go through it first, instead of leading the charge, we decided to conform. And so I want to make sure that St. Louis, you understand, is that we're in a very unique space in St. Louis. We don't have as many people traveling to St. Louis to rebuild our economy to make sure that we can do what we have to do. So it's important if you're in St. Louis, if they put a curfew out, don't go beat up and hurt our own city. It took years and years for us to even rebuild Ferguson so people like my mom can still go to Walgreens on North Florissant. So make sure, man, that you don't just go with the crowd. We're the leaders in this thing because we set the presidents first, right? And so I'm challenging St. Louis tonight. If there's a 7:30 curfew, like all my hood had my OGs, like make sure you talk to the YGs and let them know that this is gonna be a night where we chill out. Don't be afraid to talk to young people. At the end of the day, like the reason why I connect with the young flying save and young people is because I was a part of the problem. Like I grew up and did a lot of the things that they're aiming to want to do. So if we were a part of the problems, it's up to us. If we 35 or older to be a part of that solution. So shout out to my friends in St. Louis. Shout out to my friends in Atlanta. Yep. Do we need a single leader like MLK? You know what the truth is? I'll be very, very honest with you. I think the single leader model is is probably not going to happen because that, you know, that's like, we're just too distracted. But what I do think we have to understand is that we cannot work this thing out globally or even nationally the way we we're supposed to do it unless we all learn how to work together. You know, the one thing that we were able to do in Ferguson, Missouri is we got 12 pastors together. Four of them were African-American, three of them were white. Um, I think two of them were other. And then it was a few women that were there. Right. 
and we were able to have dialogue and see things through the right lens. I think the MLK days is something that's really honestly, because that's the only model that we had ever seen. Like now we're looking for a leader to step up when literally we have so much information at our fingertips that we cannot be so emotional. And we can literally, if there's a plan that we can all collectively work with and move in the right direction, we don't have to follow that model anymore. So I often hear people say, man, we just need an MLK and we just need this. The truth is people are so distracted. Like we'll have our eye on the ball. Case in point, of course, we had Ahmaud Arbery. That thing took place. And then we were moving in that direction. And then, of course, last week we had George Floyd and we were moving in that direction. And then immediately when President 45 decided to put out a, a tweet, we took our eye off the ball. And it went from being about George Floyd to being about Trump to being about rioting. Right. And so that's the narrative. But we weren't able to solely keep our eye on the ball. Essentially, what I believe is that every time we take our eye off the ball, I think we take we take a step back. If it's going to take time, it's going to take all of us collectively moving in the right direction. But if we had to roll with the MLK model, believe it or not, I really like Killer Mike. Like I would rather just call him Michael, but he chooses to be Killer Mike. I know he want to smoke weed. I know he want to kick it in the hood. I know there are things that he want to do. But the truth is, I think he needs to step up to the plate because he's one person who can translate to white America, what African-Americans are going through, then he's able to speak to a hood in a very unique and simple way so they can understand politics. So I think Killer Mike is a really good candidate to go in and at least be somebody to stand in the gap. Um, how do I talk to my African-American twin college sons who are very quiet, especially when things are heartbreaking? Um, you know, the one thing that I understand, honey, Lynette, I appreciate that. You know, the one thing I understand is that, that there is solidarity and there's power in silence, right? There's power in silence. So I want you to, number one, if they're silent children, right? I want you to know that that is power in that. And I want you to really encourage them in their silence. Because if they're silent, they can listen to what you are saying. And then they're able to process it differently. You know, one of the most amazing people that I've ever seen, he didn't have a cape, a sword, or a gun, but he's one of my heroes, Mr. Rogers. Uh, Mr. Rogers was a guy who every time he started a meeting, he said, we're going to take one minute of silence and we're going to think about somebody that we really respect and we love and we care about. And that's the way he started every meeting. And so maybe when you're talking to your twin twin boys, understand that you can call out the leader in them. Because the one thing I've learned about God is that he gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason because he wants us to be better listeners. So I want you to encourage them first before you start giving information. And then secondly, I think it would be really, really good for you to almost write a script of what you want to talk about with your young men. Because what I've learned is sometimes when we go into our boss, when we're going to a meeting or when we're wanting something to be done, we write the vision and make it plain. I want you to be that intentional with your child. I want you to go in and have about 10 questions, lead in questions that you want to come in with. And if they don't elaborate that much, if they don't continue to talk that much, then you just navigate the conversation and at least equip them. But start off by letting them know how much much you appreciate the leadership they have, they have because a lot of people aren't strong being quiet, right? Like it took me a long time to shut up, right? But the one thing that they've learned that they they've learned how to to work in silence. So shout out to your sons, but definitely have a script ready and talk with your children and make sure um, that they understand that we live in a unique time. Doesn't mean that they're going to be targets. Doesn't mean that that's going to happen to them because it's something beautiful happening in the spirit. However, make sure that they understand that that silence and that peace that they have, they should always promote that and show that no matter what NBA young boys say. Mama, that's one of their favorite rappers. <laughs> How do we explain to our peers 
that are acting out that this is going to be a gradual and we have to take those things in stride and navigate through. You know what, Brandon, I think that's amazing, bro. I think that's awesome that, that you understand that this is a gradual change. You know, the one thing I understand is that emotions subside, like people are going to calm down. So what I've learned about Jesus, which leads us to our scripture today, I'm glad you asked that, Brandon. I want you, um, we're going to go from Luke 5, 16, Luke 5, 16, Luke 5, 16, Luke 5, 16. Yep. I came real hood today. I ain't even put no brush on my face, y'all. I just came in. I'm like, you know what? I just got to talk to my people today. I wanted to make sure that I accommodated with you properly. I didn't want to have the screens moving. I didn't want it to look like a big movie. I just wanted to have some raw talk to really feel your heart right now and answer some of your questions. Um, you can go past all of this, but I'll just kind of give you a paraphrase. Jesus healed a man with leprosy. He told him, listen, don't, 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 don't go tell nobody. Uh, what happened, et cetera, et cetera. But the last sentence is the part that I want you to really focus on. It says, as often, read it with me if you can, if you're at home. It says, as often as possible, Jesus withdrew to out-of-the-way places for prayer, right? So there's something powerful about getting out of the way, turning off social media, and praying, and connecting with God, and unplugging. And so although everybody is emotional, and everybody is, and I understand the emotion because, of course, I was emotional for a moment, but we have to be the hands and feet of Jesus. If Jesus being all man and all God, God wrapped in Jesus' clothing, and he has, he has the intelligence to say, I have to pull away, pray, so I can still be what I'm called to be in the earth, right, by my Father. It's important for you, Brandon, to say, I don't care what they're doing. I'm going to be the example of what I have to be in the earth. For Jesus Christ, because we're the living, breathing people that God wants to use in the earth to show people how to do it. You know, for me, immediately when I seen George Floyd and I seen rioting and I seen what's going on, I immediately thought about Ferguson and what we had to do. And shout out to my brother, Jesse Jackson, too. I'm kind of veering off. He was the only one out of all of the, the OGs who really led us when it comes to, um, you know, the, back in the day, NAACP, et cetera, et cetera. He's the only one that came in the neighborhood and hung out. I won't say no other names, but they stayed up on the street called West Florissant. But he was the one who came down in Canfield, and he was really right there with me. I'll show a video on Facebook, maybe, of what we were doing when Mike Brown was, um, you know, tragically killed. Um, but the one thing that I've learned now is that we should be the example, Brandon. And to look outside the window will only discourage you. But if you look on the inside and see exactly what God is doing specifically in your life and how you can be an example of, in front of one, two, three, four people, then I believe that if everybody does their little part, they'll gradually understand that this thing changes individually first, then it changes our family, then it changes our community, and then we change it systemically throughout this great, great nation that we call them America, right? So thank you, Brandon. I appreciate you, bro. Any more questions, Kent? What do you tell your child when they do everything right as far as the police and you still die you know that's just a that's just a sad reality uh carol that many people many people are living in fear but i just want to tell you this i'm just believing by faith that this thing is just this thing is over right like i think that everybody's awake now and i think police are going to start holding other police officers accountable for their actions you know, sometimes it has to get so bad for people to wake up and understand. You know, when your when your child asks you, "Well, what if we do everything and he still kill? They still want to shoot us. They still want to kill us, right?" 
you know, Jesus Christ, he did everything right, but they still wanted to hurt him. Like following Christ and being a Christ follower, you have to carry a heavy cross. And But the one thing that I've learned is what we think on the most is what we get the most. And so I'm just believing by faith. And this is where my faith kicks in, Carol, is that if we equipped our children, we begin to vote. We start putting legislation in place to, to change the fact that police can kind of skate out without um, jail time because systemically they, they can just move. Once we start changing that, that will give police officers a higher regard and accountability because they know they cannot hide behind the system. And so what I want you to start telling your son is, is, is there something powerful when it comes to voting, right? Because because we lost the presidential election, when it comes to millennials, they often think, man, that stuff don't work, forget it, forget it. But what I've been telling people all week is that that was just one battle. That doesn't mean that we will not win the war. And so what I'm challenging young people to do is to understand what it means to vote in a prosecuting attorney, like what it means to look at these different laws that are going on in your city and you make sure that your friends and family members vote on it so you can hold police officers, mayors, and other political figures in your city accountable. And then it gives you a better understanding of what's going on because you said, you know what? I pay your salary. I voted you in and make sure that you become involved so they can follow your lead. So when I told you about my two boys that I had to sit down and talk to you about and talk to them about how to work with a police officer, right? Notice I didn't put my five-year-old. I got three boys. Notice I didn't bring my five-year-old in. And you say, Willie Moore Jr., why didn't you bring your five-year-old in? Because I got 10 years, right? 10 years, he'll be 15 years old. I have 10 years to work my butt off to make sure that systemically this world changes. Because in my book and in my heart, I believe that he's not going to have to go through through what we have to go through. It may be a little too late for my 17-year-old. He's going to feel it. It might be a little too late for my 11-year-old. He's probably going to feel it. But as for your five-year-olds, your six-year-olds, if we do what we're supposed to do and promote that voting is the key to make sure that we put the right people in office and make sure that we're voting on the right laws so systemically things change so we can hold police officers accountable, then it's up to us. Anybody who's five year old, five years old or younger should not be going through the same thing 10 years from now. Yeah. Why do you think viewers are intertwining protesters with looters? There's clearly a difference in motives, the two crowds, because it's always a narrative. It's the same way with you and a pit bull dog, right? Like the house I live in right now, beautiful house. And when I went and seen it, it was beautiful, but the neighbor had a pit bull. And I had little boys. I think Peyton was only six years old at the time. I didn't have Princeton and I knew my wife didn't like a pit bull. And then I looked to the, to the neighbor across the street. She had a pit bull. So the house was beautiful, but I was afraid of the pit bulls. Not because I'd ever hung out with a pit bull, not because I'd ever walked with a pit bull, but because of the narrative that had been placed on pit bulls that they bite you, they hold on, and you better have a gun to unlock them or something. Like, literally, I was so afraid. But it wasn't until I got a chance to meet Champ, the dog next door, probably my favorite animal that I've ever encountered. And after years of years of not listening to the narrative that they were giving me, hanging out with Champ, I realized that these are some of the smartest, most gentle animals that you can ever train and have as a pet. I'm not comparing myself, an African-American male, as a dog, but I'm painting a picture for you to understand the power of media and them creating the narrative. So the job of the media is to take your eye off the ball. Like I'm in media. So it just so happened I do it in the kingdom. So I keep your eye on the kingdom because that's my job. Right. But as the media, it's a picture that they want to paint. They want to make sure that that you will see this looting and believe that people aren't 
peacefully protesting and doing what they're supposed to do. And then what happens is for those people who are ignorant and who want to mess up different things, when they see that on TV, they're driving all the way from Houston to Atlanta so they can go do what they have to do. They'll drive from Idaho so they can be a part of the foolishness. But you have to get down to the nitty gritty. And that's why it's so important that I'm not looking for a, a, a global leader or a national leader to lead us, but I am looking for a national plan that says, this is how we're moving. This is the narrative that we're that we're running with. And this is what we're going to do to make sure that everybody stays on one accord. Because what the media wants to do is paint a picture of what your son, who probably had who's probably down there not looting, peacefully protesting, exercising his right to protest, they'll put a narrative to scare mama to tell him not to go down there when he's supposed to be there to make sure that changes can, can change in the city. So it's all a scare tactic. And then you got to understand, like in Ferguson, you know, we're from St. Louis. So we were looking at people like, man, you ain't even from here. And we realized that dang near 50%, 60% of the people that they were locking up, these people were from somewhere else. Then we start putting our putting our eye, you know, putting our lenses on, like, hey, if you ain't a part of the part of the solution, then you part of the problem. And we start checking the people coming into our neighborhoods. And so that's what we have to start doing. We got to make sure that we understand, like, hey, tonight we're not looting anything. And if we catch you doing that, then listen, we police ourselves. We make sure that you never do that again. And that's the way we were able to do it there in Ferguson. Yeah. I hope that helps, right? It's the looting and burning up buildings taking away the principle of the march of the justice and peace. You know what? That is like, that is the part that they put on media the most. Like I remember being in Ferguson, they were showing showing um, the back and forth with the police and all that, but they never showed you that Ferguson Florissant School District literally was putting in meals in the library so those kids could eat to make sure, because our kids were out of school at the time because they were afraid for them to go back to school. But they weren't showing you all the beauty and the great things that were happening because they wanted to paint a picture. Is looting going on? Yes. Is Are things happening and, and buildings are burning? Yes. But in a broader scope of things, if you could just take the lens out, that is only a small portion of what's really happening in the world. Black people and white people are coming together and saying this is wrong and what they're doing is taking a stand and anytime something is beautiful, I believe the devil always wants to dilute it with things that are going wrong. It's only a few bad apples in that bunch who are acting the way that they are acting. But for the majority of people in this nation, they're going out, they're peacefully protesting and especially Christians, they're praying on every corner. Shout out to the pastors out there who didn't sit back in these streets in Atlanta. I'm just talking to Atlanta specifically. They didn't let that happen a second night. Pastors were on corners. They realize like, hey, bro, you know, I'm a church dude and I love God, but I'm from the west side of Atlanta and they were about it and they did what they were supposed to do. So shout out to the pastors and kingdom people who decided to make sure that they had a presence in the neighborhood. And that's what you have to do, too. Like we decided in Ferguson and in Berkeley, like I remember John calling, calling the young like, hey, bro. We not going to do that. Like that's, that's our Walgreens. We're not going to run into Walgreens. And it only took one person to just take a stand. And everybody said, Hmm, that is our Walgreens. Right. And so I think communicating with everybody is so important. Don't get caught up on what the media is doing. Please don't leave. Make sure you share this and follow this follow um, and make sure you have other people follow this. But at the end of this, I have directives on what we're going to do as a, as a team, as, as kingdom people, like I have a set out plan on what we're going to do tonight going in tomorrow. So we don't overextend ourselves with information. All right. I'll take another one. Kansas. All right. How would you handle finding out someone you grew up with is posting racist remarks on social media? You know what? That is so, so tough to want to, you know, I've had to look at some of my Facebook friends and Facebook followers 
And I literally had to not outrun the pace of grace that the Lord had, had given me. You know, although you would think everybody could see it the way you've seen it, understand now, I understand now that everybody just does it. And so what I do is I extend my grace by saying they didn't grow up in St. Louis, Missouri. They didn't grow up as an African-American male. So you can only see it the way you see it. You know, it's so funny in Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the account of Jesus came from four different people with four different camera angles. So every time you read in Luke about something or Matthew, it's the, sometimes it's the same story, but somebody has a different camera angle. It doesn't make their camera angle wrong. It just means that they seen it from that view. But what I would encourage you to do is keep extending grace. You know, our principles of Jesus Christ challenging us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Right. He didn't say just do it when everybody is acting right. He said, do it just because of what you're supposed to do. And these principles don't work unless you work them in a time of adversity. And so what I want to challenge you to do is say, you know what? If it bothers me instead of me attacking you, I will do my best in love to inform you, right? Because I get attacked all the time. Like I get on that radio and I begin to speak God's truth no matter what. And people attack me like, don't nobody want to hear about your white Jesus. All y'all want to do is do a kumbaya and all you want to do that. Now me, you know, I'm from the neighborhood. If you've been around me long enough, you understand that there's a side of me that I die to every single day because I don't want to give you my address and say, come see me. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm that guy. Don't even worry about all this Hollywood stuff. My address is such and such and such and such. Come see me now. But what I understand is God's principles don't work unless I work them in a time of adversity. That's why he says like we have to like Paul tells us that we have to renew our mind daily. That's why he tells us that we got to pray without ceasing because God is literally telling you, I need you to be in training right now because there are going to be some things in this world that makes you question everything about yourself, your family, this country, whatever it is. But if you have enough of me on the inside of you, you will be able to display that in the earth in the time of adversity. And so what I'm telling you, sis is that although your coworkers may not understand, although they may not have reacted the way you thought that they should react, it's important for you to understand that that is just the lens that they see things through. And it's important for us to say, listen, this is the lens that I see things through. And if you begin to have real dialogue, not only do I believe change could happen in the relationship, I believe that both parties will get an aha moment. Yeah. What happens when our emotions are gone? How to keep the change going that we discussed. You said what? Yeah. How do we keep this change going that we discussed now because we're mad? You know, I'll be honest with you. Um, we don't. It's only a handful of people who are going to keep this thing going. Like, I remember we had thousands of people in Ferguson. Like, thousands. It was so many people there. And then after the cameras left, it was only a handful. But what I understand that if you have a handful of people who are still pushing the movement and although that may not be your call, we got to support those handful of people who are doing what they're supposed to do and not fighting them tooth and nail. If they tell us to go vote and you know they've been in the trenches, you go vote. If they tell us um, we're not going to spend money July 7th, then we're not going to spend money July 7th. It's important to be obedient to the bigger mission, right? So you may not be there every single day. Some people are going to be called to that, i.e. people like Killer Mike, you're going to have to get off your butt, bro, and I hope they send you this video because you're called to do this stuff. Like, you grew up, you're cultivated in the culture, so you have to do what you have to do, but that's neither here nor there. But just make sure that we support those, that remnant of people who are going to go out and do what they're supposed to do. Biblically, I just remember, I don't know what scripture it was, but I remember when... 
you know, it was a lot of people following Jesus and then adversity came and then a lot of people left and Jesus was like, y'all going to leave me too. And then one of the disciples said, like, I mean, we with you, where will we go? Like, like you the truth, like, where will we go? But it was only a remnant of people who stuck with him from, you know, inception of his, his calling to the cross. And then after him resurrecting. And so it's the same in the earth. There will be a remnant of people who keep this thing moving, but it's important that we support those people continuously, whatever they need. If they say we need to raise a million dollars on Tuesday, you put your $25 in and tell 10 of your friends to do it. We just have to stay true to what the call is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Willie, why do people think destroying our own community is okay? How can we as Christians condone that? Okay. Um, how do I say your name? Vasquez? Is it Luz? Luz Vasquez? I hope I said your name right. If I didn't, don't kill me. Um, so how do people think destroying our community is okay? Number one, I want to tell you, people don't think that's okay. That's emotion. I don't know if you ever had like, I mean, and I'm not, I don't know how saved you are all your life, but I done had drunk nights before and I have had so much emotion um, in college. And then I woke up like, what did we do? And why did we do that? I just believe sometimes when emotions are high, you do things that are normally out of your character. And it's not up to me to tell people how to work through their emotions. But it is up to me to have a plan when they come down of their emotions, right? Come out of their emotions. Case in point, Christian radio was sucking, right? Like number wise, I think we were doing a great job. But during this pandemic and things going wrong, our numbers boosted up and hip hop numbers went down. Why? I used to tell people, everybody's going to be flying high. But when they land, we have to be ready as kingdom people to accommodate love and, and show them that grace. So when it comes to the first part, I want you to understand, like nobody thinks that it's okay to destroy any communities, but what they're looking to do is get the attention. Like they want the attention to say, we are angry, but we got that now. So how can we as Christians condone that? I don't think that we can condone that. I think we take that emotion. We take that aggressiveness and say, listen, this is needed. But it's just not needed in this particular element. It's like when I work with gang bangers, I always tell them, I don't want you to stop banging. I just want you to bang with Christ gang, right? I want you to move in this direction. So what we've learned to do is that we get these, get these guys who are so excited, so animated, and we get them in small groups and we let them know what the plan of action is and we start moving them in the right direction. You know, when we brought those pastors in, Miss um, Vasquez, you know, a lot of them didn't come from where I came from. But I was able to see things different because I was able to see it through their lens. So what I've learned now is that pastors no longer can sit around and just give a narrative, a little cute speech and just say, well, you know, Jesus wants to continue to preach. We got to come in and say, listen, this gospel says that we have to do it this way. And that's the way we roll it. And then those pastors give directives and then people are able to move. But I don't think we're condoning it at all. I think we're letting these emotions subside so we can get down to business. In the beginning of this, um, I told you that Jesus pulled away so he could pray. And so that's what I'm going to be challenging you all to do once we finish up. I'll take two more questions, Cantus. Miss Vasquez, I hope that helps. Yeah, never think that we, we condone in this thing, though. That's just real. Like, we're not condoning it. All right. Who's on the block ministry in the room? What you mean? What's the block ministry? Um, Man, Michelle Jackson. So what's going on? There was a... Person in the comments, yeah, bringing some craziness. Okay. And how do we block that person? No, we don't block them. We don't block them. We don't block people who who go crazy in the comments. 
because I never seen Jesus block people out who wanted to persecute him, right? Like what social media has made you prone to do is to say, block this, stop this or whatever, but we don't block people. We let people enjoy because even this person, male or female, they're just emotional. And what they're able to do is they're able to get behind this computer and let their emotions go. And if they stick around long enough, what I understand is that I prayed, I fasted, I've literally taken myself out of the equation. And so I'm pure in my motives and what I'm attempting to do. And the one thing I learned is that people don't hear what you say. They see what you do. So if you stick around long enough, you'll understand that people like me, we're just here. like, I don't make money off this stuff. I don't, I don't do this for a part. Like I got a job, I got a family. I got things that I could really be doing, but I'm called to this. And my call still stands no matter what people say. So we don't block people out, right? And I don't want you to blo start blocking people. If you get irritated, then you're not doing the principles that God told you to do. He said they'll know us by our love. So I'm not blocking people away. I want them to grow with me. So whether you get it this week or 10 weeks later, I'm going to still be in the same place at 7 o'clock every Sunday right here on Facebook, making sure that I empower my people. And at the end of the month, I'm only taking questions. So if you got another one, I'll rock with it. Yeah. What can us white people do? <laughs> Gloria Thompson, I love you so much. You know, the one thing I want you to do, um, if you could, because I was talking to my, my friend Jay. Um, he's a white guy. I mean, Jay White White, too. He was like, man, let me call my brother Willie, man, because he's like the coolest black guy in the world. Like, he lives out in Kansas or whatever. And so he was texting me like, yo, what can I do, bro? What can I do? I said, the first thing that I want you to do is I want you to pray for understanding. And so, Gloria, I want you to, number one, I want you to pray for understanding. You know, the one thing that I've learned is that, you know, Jesus, when he sat down with his friends one time, you know, he, um, he was seeing who understood the situation. He said, who do men say I am? And everybody kind of looked around and thinking to themselves, and they was like, man, some of them say you John the Baptist. Some of them say you this, some of them you say you that. And then he says, uh, who do you say I am? And then Peter gets up and, and he says, you are the son of God. And so what happens is, is that it's hard to see the picture when you're the frame. So what I want you to do is I want you to channel that desire, number one, in prayer. And then locally, like, of course, there's, what is it? Colorofchange.org, colorofchange.org. If you want to put money somewhere, colorofchange.org, they're doing a whole lot, filing petitions and making sure that money goes to the right places to take care of lawyer fees and costs, et cetera, et cetera. But see what you can do locally to wake people up. Like everybody, white or black, we always want this big boom. But I understand that if we master small, we'll be able to do something big. So Gloria, maybe there's something that you can do with the African-American church in your community because they're going to have initiatives. And I want you to just, you might be the only one there, right? But you're saying, listen, I'm coming with a pure heart. Like I want to understand more of what you have been through so I can be a bigger help for what your future's gonna look like. Cause Gloria, honestly, we can't do it without you. Any black person on here who think that we can do it by ourselves, I wanna let you know that you're fooled. Anything that comes with a revolution or movement, it's gonna take us and people who are not melanated people to come together on one accord with one mission, moving in the right direction to make change systemically. And, and, and it's just the truth. So Gloria, if you can connect with somebody locally, I think that would be amazing for you. Amazing. Do I got one more? That's a good last Yeah, all right. How do we continue to build our business live out of our purpose and stay positive in the midst of everything going on? I'm a single mom, a registered nurse, and just begin my healthy co-parenting business at the beginning of 2020. 
Now I have to have additional conversations with my black son. It's a lot. Chris, listen, I totally understand. And uh, you know what? I don't even understand. I overstand. You continue to build through a regimen, through a ritual, and through a routine. You build through a regimen, a routine, and your rituals. Meaning you may have to pivot your regiment, your routine, and your rituals, but you still move the way that you were moving. When COVID-19 hit my business, I had thousands of dollars on the books all through the year to go speak on stages across the country. Whether it was personal development in Fortune 500 companies, if it was churches, if it was schools, I had a lot of stuff on the books. When I looked at the numbers of what I was going to lose, it scared me. And I did not know what I was going to do. COVID-19 hits. I realized that I have to make a pivot. I got three kids at home, a baby girl, a five-year-old, 11-year-old, and all of them have to homeschool. But what I did was I put the goals on the wall. And I begin to say, sometimes we focus on the immediate and we miss the ultimate. And so, Chris, what I've learned to do now is I live in 10-year increments, right? So I actually wrote out how old my children will be 10 years from now. I have a 27-year-old. I have a 21-year-old. I'll have a 15-year-old. Uh, and I'll have an 11-year-old. And I just began to be as creative as possible. And I went in my tool chest and I found the other things that I could do. And I set up a new regiment, a new routine. I created new rituals. So now if you look on my Instagram and my Facebook pages, you'll now see more interviews. You'll get an opportunity to see more music videos. You'll get an opportunity to see me being, you know, now we got an online church. I pivoted because 10 years, like church was supposed to happen 2021, but God said we can do it in 2020. And so what I want you to do is live in a broader scope. Because if you look at the immediate, the world is not going to be like this forever. So in the midst of it, have your goal, your rituals and your routines, and you do what you have to do. Now, as it, as it pertains to the conversation that you have to have with your black son, I don't know where his father is. I don't know where the community may be. But what I will tell you is this, is as an African-American mother, I know that you can speak those words. But if you could just pray about it and just see if there's another man, maybe your father, your uncle, who can also reinforce the information that you're giving, I believe that it can be great. I'm in a blended family. And Lord knows I love the mother of my child, Ebony. But sometimes what she, what she gives to my son, I might say the same thing, but I just give it in a different way. Because there comes a time when an African-American male wants to hear from an African-American man for the example and for the leadership. And it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. It simply means that you can give that information to that uncle, that brother, that person at church, that person that you trust, and let him just be the person who interprets what you said and really just puts, you know, a confirmation on it. And I believe that conversation can become easier. So, Chris, I love you to life. Thank you so much for being real. Yeah. Man, I know we got a lot of comments today, huh? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? I'm having fun, though. I'm having fun. Um, let me know. Um, hit some stars and some some thumbs up and some hearts. If you know, if you're getting some, what are the comments saying, Candace? We're getting some pretty good preach. Okay, cool. Thank you, LaShondra. Thank you, Gloria Thompson. I hope I'm hoping that's helped because I'm just coming off the cuff and just seeing what the Lord give. You're awesome. Thank you. Amen, my brother. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Michelle. Hey, Michelle, I love y'all. Um, Blanche Walls. Hey, Michelle, listen, I love you guys. Um, St. Louis, and, and I just ended this way. Um, we got some really unique days ahead of us, right? Um, just as a country, 
but I don't want you falling to the trap of just being emotional, right? In the scripture, Jesus, he decided being all God, all man, wrapped in Jesus' clothes, and I always say that, right? He decided to pull away. And so what I want you to do, right? I am challenging everybody under the sound of my voice is I want you to unplug for 12 hours. I don't want you back on social media. I don't want you on CNN. I don't want you on MSNBC. I don't want you on Fox. I don't even want you on the phone with your girlfriends, right? I want you literally to give your brain a rest. You got to give your brain a rest because right now, Christians are becoming so emotional that I cannot tell the difference between you and the foolish people because you're so pissed off that you got to let every emotion out. But what God is telling us in the season of our life, that this is the most beautiful, beautiful place in history, in the spirit, right? In the spirit realm, I, I took, I took a drive three hours away and I sat by a lake and I said, God, show me what you're doing in the spirit. And he showed me something so beautiful. A lot of things that we're blaming on the devil. He said, listen, I got my hand on it. But what I want to do in this season of life is I want to make you the person that people want to come to. He wants to display us in the earth as the answers in the earth. And the only way we get answers from God is we follow Jesus' lead. Just like he said in Luke 5.16, they said Jesus often, like he often pulled away and went to wilderness. In the NLT it says wilderness, and the message it says far off places. But in the NLT it says he went to far off places, he got settled, he prayed, and then he was able to come back and be the God that we love right? The God that has showed us the example. And so for these next 12 hours, if you're under the sound of my voice, this is not, this is not um, something that you did by accident. I want you to unplug. Shout out to my brother, Kirk. Shout out to my brother, Fred Hammond. You can watch that on YouTube, right? You ain't got to run back to verses. You can watch that on YouTube tomorrow after these 12 hours are done. Maybe it's about 50 or 25 people right now who will put it in the comments. Like I, just put unplug. If you agree that you're going to unplug, let me just like just put unplug, like put unplug, type unplug in the comments. If you're going to agree to just unplug, I only want 12 hours with you and God so he can tell you your assignment because he has specific instructions that he wants to give to every single one of us. And I know for some of you, silence scares you because you have to face yourself. But in this season, I'm telling you that God is telling me to tell you that he wants you to get to know him because you're going to, he's going to give you answers. You're literally going to be the person who they thought could, would not have the answers, but he's going to give you all wisdom. He's going to give you all knowledge. You're going to look back in the mirror at, at your mouth and what you said, and you're going to say, oh my God, I can't believe I had the answer. Some of you got to go to work tomorrow and there are white people there and black people there. And it's going to be a real crazy energy in the office because you got to pretend like you didn't see what just happened the whole weekend. And everybody's going to have an opinion. And I believe I see this in the spirit that some people are going to have friction there. But because of your unplugging, you're going to go in there and you're going to be the peacemaker because the Bible says blessed are the peacemakers, right? And we're all called to be peacemakers. So I'm challenging you today, right? I got on here live because I wanted to challenge you. I went all around the circle to act, to answer your questions, to tell you that I need you. God needs you. The kingdom needs you. 
to unplug from all of all of the information overload because God is wanting to download information into you right now so you can be the answer in the earth. I'm not telling you you about to be Martin Luther King, but I am telling you that you can be the peace in the break room. I'm not telling you you about to be Martin uh, Malcolm X, but I am telling you when you get back to practice because football season is about to start in the South, they're about to start practicing, you can make sure that you can be the voice of reason between African-American people and less or melanated people because I believe by faith that this is the time for us to put on that crown of faith and say, you know what, God, I'm with you. What do I need to do? We're not coming in every single day saying, God, pay my bills. I just need you to do this. We're waking up every morning and say, God, I'm ready for duty. And I just believe by faith, if the Bible says you the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, the lender and not the borrower, I believe that's already done. So financially, just know economically, God is going to find a way to pay those bills. But in this season, He's saying, I did all, you went through all of that, but that wasn't a distraction. I don't need that to be a distraction. I'm going to take care of that. But tonight, if you unplug, I'm going to download some information that's going to help everybody around you, including your family. Can I trust you to do it? Just give me some unplugs if you're going to unplug tonight. Give me some unplugs. Put unplug. Lil Zion, I see you. Monique, I see you. Monique, I see you. Yep, Monique, I see you. Mabel, give me an unplug. Do I got to know? I got to know that you're going to unplug. I want to see just... If I can just see 10 people who going to unplug with me, Deetra, yep, Deborah, I see you, I love you, yep, Shakira, yep, Whitney, what's up, we unplugging, man, we got to get off this thing, Danielle, unplug, thank you, Satara, what's happening, yep, we, we unplugging, thank you, Kim, thank you, Kim, so last thing in the unplug, I want you to do this, in the unplug, I want you to read the Bible, if you can, or I want you to read something that fills your spirit that makes you feel like like right now i'm in the bible but i'm reading to hell with the hustle but it's a christian book that is filling me up and giving me scripture and he's doing it in a way that makes me feel good so i go to bed to that right so a lot of times you don't understand that god can use things besides the bible although i want you in the bible every day for some of you all you're gonna go to sleep on that but get you some scripture right i want you to hit that bible and then i want you to read something that is biblically based that encourages you and so guess what else is going to happen? You have created such a habit on your phone that when you go on your phone, you automatically go to social media. If that's you, you know the passcode, just erase it off your phone. Just erase it for tonight. Just erase it off your phone so you can get these 12 hours of solitude, wake up in the morning and be prepared for the duty that God has called you to. Let us pray. Father God, you are so good. Um, Lord, I pray for our great nation. I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice. Lord, I came in naked today. Like literally just not wanting to be so polished. Not wanting to be the person who wants to be seen. Like strip me of all of that, God. Like I just understand in this season of our life, you're looking for pure vessels who genuinely want to do what you call them to do. Lord, it seems like every time I click on Facebook or Instagram, it's somebody with a new church service. And the truth is, God, you know, I, I didn't want to be one of those people, but you called, called me to it. And this is weird for me. I like being cool. I like to tell jokes. But if, the, if you call me to it, I'm going to do it. I'll tell them what you need me to say. I just pray that you would just have a few people be obedient and they can see changes in their life so they can promote it back that Jesus did it. Lord, I pray for the family of George Floyd. I pray for our great nation. I thank you for what you're doing in the spirit. And I thank you for the great awakening that you're putting in the earth. 
I declare in the name of Jesus that no hurt, harm, or danger will come to those um, who love you. And I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that we will continue to move with the right direction, Lord God, and we don't let our emotions take over what we're doing. Lord, we're going to un unplug, we're going to draw, draw near to you, and we're going to wake up in the morning with the right answers for the situation that we're in. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Yeah. Well, y'all got, got a young man crying tonight. <laughs> Listen, I love you to life. Do me a favor. Um, casting a little vision. Um, Will Flow Studios, we're about to build that. We're going to start building that at the end of July. I want to say the end of July. Um, so shout out to all my partners out there. Log on to WillieMoreJuniorLive.com. Become a partner. Um, and and um, it's something else I wanted to tell you. The radio show, WMJ Show, I'll be keeping you informed. Make sure that you download the Willie Moore Jr. Show app. It's an app. 40,000 people downloaded it in the last three weeks. Um, so thank God for that. Radio is becoming really, really big, especially with the app. So I thank God for Radio 1 and Urban 1. Last but not least, we have a podcast, right? It's a podcast. It's on Apple or wherever you get your podcast. It's called the Willie Moore Jr. Jr. Podcast, the YFS Experience. You can download it and you can listen to these messages in real audio. We got music on there. So it's an amazing tool for you to listen to these messages throughout the week. So every fourth Sunday at 7 p.m., I'm going to be here answering your questions. So my goal for you is to gather your teenagers, gather your kids. Every Sunday, we're going to turn up. We're going to have a DJ. I'm going to do a quick message, and it's going to be good. But the fourth Sunday is really for my parents. It's really for my mom and my dad. It's really for you to get the answers that you need to say, hey, okay, how did I do that? So you'll take your notes, and you'll do what you're supposed to do. I'll give directives, and we'll continue to grow. What I see is we'll have... Thousands of people in amphitheaters when we come to your city, and we're going to do this thing live. We're going to have artists coming. I'm going to have a lot of my friends coming, and a lot of people from the hood and different ethnicity, eth different ethnicities. That, like, they're literally going to be in the same room, and God going to explode that thing. You'll get a chance to meet Cantus, the smartest dude I know who's on the side. You'll get a chance to meet Dwight Stone, and uh, you'll get a chance to see my children. The last thing God gave me is that my oldest son, he'll lead this thing. Like, this is what I'm setting up for him. He's going to take us to a place that I've never seen ever in life. And he doesn't even know that he's called to preach yet. But um, I see it in him, and I just know that God is going to expand his territory. So I'm building legacy, and it all started with you. Um, I told you one day I would be on TV. I told you one day I would be on radio. And now I'm telling you that we're going to have the largest online experience that the world has ever seen. And people are literally going to experience change in their living room. And my crowd of people going to be my crowd of people. They're going to smell like weed. They're going to have like Budweiser still in their refrigerator and everything. But God going to start that transforming process and they're going to get right. Because I was the same dude with Budweiser and weed in my pocket too. And so I'm going to preach from the root. I'm going to preach from the wound until I get it right. All right? I love you to life. Thank you, Cantus. Thank you, Dwight. Thank you, uh, kids and family, for letting me be outside this late. I'm going to be home soon. Daddy love you. Flat out. Thank you, Angie.